Ladies and gentlemen, Charlie Savages and Stanley Mills, welcome back to Thamesman. It has been a very long break, but the Thamesmen are back. Um, uh, it's me, Sai, and back with Andy. Hi, Andy. Hello. How are you? I'm very good. It's just been three and a half years or something. But it's, yeah, it's just over three years. I was listening back to the last episode we did, September 2020. It was oh, an interesting time. We'll get back to that in a minute. But first, do you want to explain the non-rhyming intro? We do apologise, but uh, we were we were trying to compare the Reading and Oxford squads, and we couldn't find a single rhyming name amongst them. No, we them. couldn't. So we tried tried lots of them, didn't we? Um, there's nothing that rhymes. I can't even pronounce your number 15's name. I'm not even going to try. But we don't have anything that rhymes with that. Um, Sam Smith and Asheen Smith was too easy. That was too rubbish. So we went with with uh, with Stan Mills and uh, Charlie Savage. Uh, so Robbie Savage's son, Charlie Savage, and Danny Mills' son, um, uh, Stan Mills. Of course, no nepotism. No nepotism no, in not football. not at all. Of course. Um, <laughs> Get here back, your man. Yeah, that's a good. That's a good name. That's a strong yeah, name. And isn't his first name like Kevin or something? Kelvin. Yeah. Kelvin. <laughs> I think he goes by Kelvin most of the time. To be fair. It's a, yeah. Fair. Fair. Is he got Kelvin on the back of his shirt? <laughs> he might do. You know, he might do. Yeah. I mean, that's going to save. That's going to save on printing letters. And let's be honest, it's an expensive shirt to buy. Otherwise, and, and let's be honest, Reading really need to save money wherever you can. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. We'll say save that. Save that chat. But yeah, let's go back a minute. So going back to the last podcast, September 2020, I was listening back and we were obsessed at that point with pandemic and all that stuff. It's changed quite significantly since then. I mean, I mean, yeah, because because we weren't actually attending football matches at that point. So we were all having everybody was having to watch on the iFollow with with no yeah. crowd noise. And it was uh, there was a long, lot of chat about being able to hear um, what the um yeah, what the players were actually saying. I missed that. That was, yeah. a, that was one of the few like bonuses of that whole situation. That was, that was very good fun. But, um, but yeah, I, I mean, just looking back at how utterly miserable that was, it seems like yeah. a lifetime ago. Um, yeah. But, like, you know, lifetime ago it was. So much has happened between Oxford United and Reading Football Club since then. Um, like, change. once upon a time when we used to do this podcast, I think people would kind of, there was, there was a risk that people would kind of skip on when we were talking about Reading if they were an Oxford fan and vice versa. And they would just kind of listen to the bit that was relevant to their club. Yeah. Now, all of a sudden, launched into the same division together. <laughs> um, yeah, it's going to work now. It's great. It's a roller coaster ride for Reading, but all the downs. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just but those are the best bits in a roller coaster. <laughs> Right, all the slow trudging upwards. That's boring. Yeah, right? exactly. It's, it's the seat of your pants stuff when you're on the plummet. That's where that's where all the excitement. Well, where you it's non-stop excitement. At the moment, <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, it's it's, it's pretty crap. Well, maybe we'll ca- get on with that in a second. Um, but well, yeah, yeah it's let's... been a pretty pretty chaotic couple of years. Um, do, do we do we want to do a recap? What do we want to do? This well, is, by the way, sorry just to interject very quickly. This is the most appallingly prepared podcast oh, in yeah. the world. We, yeah, right. we, we have no notes. We have no idea what we're going to talk about here. Well, we decided that we needed to we needed to start it up again. So the best way to start it up again is just to start it up again. Yeah, and that's that's, that's what we're doing. I mean, the reading story is 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 fairly short. You know, 
we we our, our financial improprieties were uncovered, <laughs> and we have been consistently uh, punished according to the the various rules within the EFL to the point that we were relegated last season. The point deduction did effectively relegate us. We could have survived without the point deduction, so we'll say it was that. Not yeah. that we did anything to justify staying up, really. Um, and then as soon as we're into uh, League One, we've been hit again with more deductions. The club is in complete disarray. And so even though we are now in the same league, we're not really competing uh, because Reading can't compete at any level, whatever league we were in, I don't think. So we are rock bottom of the league at the moment. I mean, it was uh, it was it was interesting over over the summer because uh, two summers ago, and I'll get onto this maybe briefly in a bit. But Oxford had an absolutely dreadful summer's transfer business. Uh, but last summer, absolutely incredible work uh, by by um, by the club and. Um, yeah, but Reading absolutely like the, the the worst possible preparation. What was it like? Two weeks? I was going to say two weeks before the start of the season. Reading, I think, where you had something along the lines of, I, I think, like ten senior players like like listed yeah. in the squad, like ten, like with just two weeks to go before the season started, and we were actually just comparing squads before the before we started recording this not because we were you know doing diligent research it's because we were trying to find <laughs> right in the name right in the open up but um we were looking at that and um yeah the yeah, the reading squad is absolutely tiny yeah it's tiny it's insane it? I mean, yeah i think we've got we've got like 19 i think 19 or 20 first team uh first team like listed in the first team although some of those aren't gonna aren't gonna play um but when you've got when you're in the position that we we're in, it was just get rid of everybody as quickly as we could. Anyone that was on any kind of wage, we've still got a few that are on a wage. But we also had a lot of short-term loans filling the problems that we'd had in the last season, so they were naturally going to move on. And yeah, we're left scratching around. We still have some of the younger players who are good, and some of the kind of stalwart, you know, like Andy Adam is still is still there. And there's a few of the stalwart players still knocking about, and some old faces as well, like Sam Smith is back in the back in the squad. Yeah, and it's but it is a bit of a well, I don't know. It's a complete disaster uh, it, to be honest. And we're in that waiting period, like a lot of clubs that are really in financial strife. We're just in this holding pattern. But the problem is football doesn't doesn't wait nope. so whilst you're getting your 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 stuff together that the season continues and every time every week is like another nail in the coffin you know so each week is getting worse and worse and worse and we're drifting further away so i think relegation is is pretty much certain now for this season then you start thinking about next season but and the thing nothing's just... going to change until the until the ownership changes. I, I guess. Well, no, I know. I mean, no, that's. I mean, because I mean, um, he's he's lost interest now, hasn't he? I mean, he yeah. just he's just yeah. he just he's trying to get the hell out of the door, um, which he probably arguably should have done about three years ago. Um, but but yeah, now 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 it's very clear he just wants to. But he's he's basically not not tending to the football team. The, the club at all whilst he's in in that process which is a terrible state of affairs the one thing i will say from an external perspective is that i think it's it's probably better to have what is a relatively spectacular implosion like this um in a similar kind of way as coventry city did in a similar way that derby did um because they seem to be quite they're relatively straightforward to recover from um it's the it's the slow grinding down of 
investment over a very long period of time where the club is slowly eroded away, which becomes a problem. And that's the situation Oxford were in when we dropped out of the Football League. It was a, it, I mean, it had been a, a steady, unmanaged decline for about a decade. But then when Firas Kassam came in, it was that was kind of accelerated and it the club was just ground down and that took a long time to recover from. So I think yeah. I think the, the spectacular implosion, hopefully, from Reading's perspective, will be easier to get back from. I mean, but it, I guess it depends on the scale of the implosion though, right? Well, um, yeah, but you're right because a public disaster like, like this is, it can't escape the public eye right so it's very clear and there's a lot of interested parties that don't want it to fail so i think it has at least caused some level of sort of community interest to the point that the community and the fans will kind of force some action eventually but the irony is it's like it's a very much like if you imagine newcastle united lack of investment lack of care from the owner and all of those things that Newcastle United fans hated. And guess who's on the Yay. list to take over Reading is Mike Ashley. Uh, so it's it's a very, yeah, it's a bizarre situation. And talking of Coventry, he bought that ground in Coventry. So I wouldn't be surprised if Reading, <laughs> if he takes over, will be shipped out to Coventry next. Yeah, yeah, it? probably. Be, what what link? So we were, we, were, we were going to be the Thames Valley Royals when Oxford were going to be uh, yeah. merged. So how would that work if Reading were merged with Coventry? Like what have, you've got, what have you got have between no there? It's not going to work, is it? Um, no. But anyway, but to be fair though, the Sports Direct Stadium is probably less of a mouthful than the Select Car Leasing Stadium. That's so true. that's something. Um, yeah. But just go quickly go back to Sam Smith because that's he, that's, that's an interesting one because he was doing really it was at Cambridge he was at before he joined mm. Red he was doing really well I mean I appreciate Cambridge had a dreadful season um, but he but but yeah he he was doing really well and. I don't know. It just it seemed like I, I know he, maybe he was really happy at Reading. Maybe it's a family link or something like that. But it seemed like a strange one to jump into. His his time at Oxford United was 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 well documented. I'm not going to bother going into that. It just didn't work yeah. out. He was the wrong player for the wrong team at the wrong time. Um, he's he's very much not a, uh, a favourite amongst Oxford United supporters <laughs> because he celebrated in front of Oxford fans having scored against Oxford in a game which was a memorial for Joey Beecham. Oh, yeah, um, But, you know, so he, he made it about himself. But, I mean, you know, whatever. I'm not bothered by that particularly. Like, it, that that day was a great day. Well, you know, it was a, it was a special yeah. day anyway. Um, it, it didn't matter what he did. But, um, but yeah, it just seemed like a strange move for somebody well, who... was easily his most prolific spell. He's got 28 in 91 for Cam- as a Cambridge player. Yeah, and it just it just seemed she seemed strange. He he looked like he was good good stock in terms of kind of League One goal scorer. Um, in yeah. Reading, just seemed like a strange choice to well, anybody. It's a strange choice for any player, yeah. I think, at the moment. To be perfectly yeah. honest, but uh, whilst whilst we're in this situation, and I'm sure there's going to be interesting stuff coming up as we get closer to some kind of um, some kind of buyout, but. At Oxford, things are looking up. You are li- well. You're not. You're not literally at the top of the table. You are. You are one behind uh, an unbeaten Portsmouth, right? Yeah. So second in the table. I mean, you know, complete and total reversal from last season. Um, we in the seat. So the last time we did this podcast, um, we've had so we we made the we made the playoffs that season, um, and then were absolutely abject in the playoffs. We had played against Blackpool, who got promoted and then subsequently got relegated um but 
Um, we were completely outplayed in those playoffs. We weren't even close to, to, to making the final that season. And then we huffed and puffed the following season, had an absolutely dreadful run in and didn't make the playoffs last season. Uh, sorry, season before. And then last season, um, in the build-up to last season. Now, I, I, my, my, my points on Carl Robinson and his... his um, his recruitment process were well documented in previous uh, podcasts back in the day, but like it was very, very clear quite soon on in last summer that there was some not like the one just gone, the one before that that that, yeah. that something was wrong, and we were just not getting anybody in, and then people were bringing in were real panic signings. He was he was a bit of a one for panic signings anyway, but these were you know it was clearly something awry, something was going on, and last season was genuinely atrocious. Um, for, for, for me, it was not a surprising eventuality. Um, but, but either way, you know, he had, Carl Robinson had managed to turn around an awful lot of the, um, the Oxford United fan base, um, to be really, really big supporters of his. I, I never was, but I kind of, you know, was accepted. He was an integrated part of the club. Um, but man alive, like the, 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 the fan base turned on him like in a really big way, really quickly as well. I was really yeah, surprised. Quite fast, yeah, yeah. I was really surprised at how quickly it suddenly turned. The atmosphere really turned and it was, the writing was on the wall, but um, Liam Manning came in um, over the summer, um, did a really big kind of club wide recruitment process, new head of recruitment in whose name is completely escaping me right now. Cause my brain doesn't remember things anymore. Um, <laughs> But um, Ed Waldron, his name is, um, and he, um, yeah, and they and they brought in a whole bunch of players, and in in re a really super super start to the season, um, we're playing really 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 nice football. Bit of a blip, last three games, we've only got one point, no, two points from the last three games. Yeah, um, yeah. But it's you know like it, but but we're we're playing really nice football. We've got some work to do in January if we if we want to go up this season. Um, you know, nobody was expecting promotion this season, it, it, you know, in July. Nobody was expecting that. We got quite excited pre-season, but, yeah. but in reality, we were looking at probably a, a year of consolidation, another couple of transfer windows, and then maybe a push. So the fact that we're talking about promotion at all at the moment is testament to the quality in the work that's been done so far. But we've got some gaps in that squad, so long way is to go. Is that down to Liam Manning mostly, that? Or is it... <clears throat> Well, in terms of the the the, ch the change round in quality, the results on, yeah. the, on the field, yeah. I mean, I think so. I think he's. I mean, he's complete. He's the diametric opposite of Carl Robinson, right? So he's process. He's he's all yeah. about. I mean, he uses phrases like behaviours. It's all about instilling yeah. behaviours in players. It's all about. He's read his management books. Oh yeah, I mean, but he is. I mean, he's he's like new generation football manager. Okay, so he yeah. grew up through the the man. Not not grew up, but he he came through the Man City management academy thing program thing you know like which is which is you know the, the way that the, the way that they kind of generate managers and coaches and stuff like that is the guardiola model kind of thing so he's new yeah. new generation um and yeah and so absolutely it's all about process it's all about kind of doing the right thing um if you follow the right processes and do the right thing enough in enough areas you will eventually get the right results and that's so i mean i think you know it's, it's really straightforward in term in, in 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 that way there's none of the bluffing bluster that you used to get um so yeah i mean i think it is him and it's what he's instilled around the building so to speak um but i think club wide as well they're they're changing their processes we've got a head of recruitment so the head of recruitment ed waldron um he he is quoted 
on press releases and the club stories whenever we sign a new player or when a player signs an extension. So that never happened under Carl Robinson. It was all about the manager and all of that. But but now the head of recruitment is getting the the, the kudos for for the work that they're doing. So it isn't about one manager anymore. Yeah, well, exactly, exactly, and it isn't all about one man anymore. It's not about the manager. Obviously, the buck still stops with Liam Manning, but um, but he's making it clear that it, this is a kind of group effort. So it's a very, it's a much more um, mature and, and frankly, grown up <laughs> approach yeah. to, to running yeah, a football yeah. club. So yeah, I, I mean, I think it is largely down to him, but I think broadly speaking across the board, the club is approaching things in a different way. Um, and, and there is another aspect to this, and that is that is investment in the playing staff. The yes, club are spending yeah. money. I mean, there's no doubt about it. We, we've got one of the bigger budgets in the division by, by probably by distance, so that helps, you know. Yeah, talking about spending money, what's the deal with the stadium then? So, um, so Oxford fans will be well across this. At the moment, we're just waiting for a planning application to go in. So we've seen all the designs and stuff like that. Um, the county council has agreed to lease the land to Oxford United, subject to a, a a bunch of criteria being met, including a carbon a net zero carbon plan and all that kind of stuff. Um, and subject to getting planning permission, and that's the that's the crucial one that's coming up. Um, They've got to put the planning application in. They said by the end of this month, um, they're running out of time to do that by the end of this month. They've got like a day left. Um, yeah. But, you know, planning applications are complicated things. Um, their target is for that planning application to be done by the spring next year. Now, I know what local authorities are like when they're <laughs> do, dealing with, with, with large-scale planning applications and sensitive planning applications. Um, there's absolutely no way... I mean, I will eat my hat live on a broadcast. I'll find a small yeah. hat, but I will eat it. Um <laughs> If this, if the planning application is determined before, um, let's say before July next year, yeah, okay. I'd be very surprised yeah. if it's done before then. Um, it just, it just, these things just take forever. They always do. Um, and my, imagine. My, before you're playing in that stadium, it's probably going to be like season 28, 29. Or well, and this is the thing. So we're, we're at the Kassam in 25, 26. So yeah. we're booted out of the Kassam that year. Um, um, it is pretty likely that we're going to have to end up ground sharing. From Come down to our place. Well, yeah. We need the money. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it could be a Wimbledon Crystal Palace situation. Well, I mean, there's going to be a ground share somewhere. And I think Reading is, is probably on that list. Um, yeah. it's, it's about ease of ease of access, I think, more than anything else. So I think Reading, MK Dons, um, Wickham, Northampton are the obvious ones in terms of in yeah. terms of proximity. Um, you know, a, we're we're not going we're not going to need a, a stadium as big as Reading's. We're not going to need a stadium as big Neither as MK we. Don. Well, no, that's true. <laughs> that's true. Um, but you know. Our home, our home attendance is going to go through the floor if we're, we're, we're well, if when we're playing away from home. Yes. But, but yeah. anyway, it's going to happen. I'm pretty certain of that. Um, um, but yeah, so so we'll probably have at least one or two seasons um, ground sharing outside of the county. Um, but as long as as long as it isn't the you know the aforementioned Wimbledon Crystal Palace situation, as long as it isn't the Brighton um, and Hove Albion situation where there is a athletic stadium for what 
12 yeah. years or whatever it was you know it could happen there's no reason there's no god-given right for us to not to, to for everything to go our way and this is Oxford United things don't go our way <laughs> yeah, a whole yeah. bunch of things that yeah. have to happen perfectly between now and the summer next year for us to get into that stadium in time and they just don't I mean it's it's just a harsh reality of of, of life how the way the UK works in terms of its infrastructure and all of that kind of stuff um, I'm going to make a solid prediction here now. Okay, my prediction is is it will get it will go to the um, planning committee at Cheryl District Council maybe late summer next year. Okay, and I think yeah. they'll reject it. I think they'll reject it on a couple of grounds, and I reckon we'll then have to put in a, an amended planning application, which will then take another six or six or so months. Um, that the amendments will then get seen, and I reckon it will get approved the second time round. But I reckon that I reckon that means we are going to be at least two years um, ground yeah, sharing. That like a more realistic timeline. Yeah. To be fair, the, the only other option is, and, and, and this doesn't appear to be on the table, but I don't I don't know um, if he if he charges enough money, he probably he probably would do it. Is just because Sam actually agreeing to a short term extension um, by by just fleecing us of like two million quid a year yeah. or something like yeah. that we're about to spend a hundred million pounds on a stadium an extra an extra two million quid to extend the lease on on the current one probably isn't a great big a, a great a great issue but i don't know what the rules are you know in terms yeah. of revenue versus mm. capital expenditure and all that kind of stuff so um yeah so who knows but anyway it's exciting it's really exciting um yeah. but it's also pressing um and and worrying at the same time so who knows and um, what about talking of exciting what about the uh the the clash that we that we w- have been waiting for for many many years a league match uh, between Reading and Oxford, it's already been delayed once. Yeah, so and it's quite possible it gets delayed again, right? Because it's yeah. it's on it's on what would be the FA Cup second round replay week. So if one of us gets to the FA Cup second round and that goes through replay, December or eighteenth, yeah. December, so that that would be yeah. yeah so FA Cup second round replay or first round replay. I can't remember. Anyway, it's replay week. Um, so. Yeah, so we it might get bounced again. I mean, we talked about this for ages when we were doing the pod back in the old days when Reading were flying high in the championship and yeah. in, in Oxford were kind of middling around in, in League One. It was a fantasy back then, and now here it is a, a reality. It's a real shame it's going to be a, 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 an evening game. I'd love for that to be a Saturday afternoon. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, no, it's, it, I mean, it's going to be not... It, it's really frustrating that we've got this situation overshadowing it because as much as it sucks to be relegated it would have been awesome to have for us both to have been in a position where the game sort of had a bit more value for both teams right oh look i mean if there was something yeah if there was something right riding on these games i mean it's like you know it's what it's like 30 odd years since oxford and and reading have played each other in a proper competitive game of football um you know the the rivalry is never going to be Oxford Swindon levels, but I think it's probably, probably you know, there's enough people for whom Oxford Reading, they're old folks now, but there's enough people for whom Oxford <laughs> yeah. Reading was a really big, r- spicy rivalry. So I think that will probably rekindle itself a little bit. Um, and yeah, if there was something riding on it, like no, legitimately, like both sides 
like fighting for a playoff place yeah. or whatever, then that would be, that would be fantastic because you imagine the atmosphere that would generate for that kind well, of. We match. might have actually got a sellout crowd as well. Yeah, yeah. Like uh, but so um, you know, basically, I have no idea what's going to happen in that. Like you know, but things everything's out the window for a game like that, isn't it? Well, exactly, know? and I I do feel like at least that will give give the Reading fans and the team like a reason to go out there and play. Like, and you can see, I think whenever whenever things are on the you know whenever there's an opportunity for greatness or an opportunity for a little bit of magic, it does bring something else out because we had Portsmouth unbeaten top of the table Portsmouth and we were two nil up after 27 minutes, but you know, that's not going to last, but it's, but it, we'd never have done that if it was a kind of meaningless game, you know, yeah, yeah. again, Northampton town or whatever, we wouldn't have cared, but I think it does help. And more of those games, the better really, because it's going to generate a little bit of something for the fans and the, and the team. And like football like this, has funny ways of doing that, doesn't it? And it, and, and it it generates surprises out of nowhere. It's always going to do that. Like, yeah, going to, I mean, you could have done us a favour with that Pompey game, by the way. That was, <laughs> that, not, not that I'm actually looking at winning the league. I mean, I'd love to, but I don't, I, no, that's, that's, I just don't think that's on the cards. Um, but 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 yeah, nevertheless, it, you know, it, um, yeah, big big games do do funny things, and and I'm I'm kind of hoping. Like, I want one of two things out of that um, that re- the, re- the Reading Oxford game. Um, either one, like this really fiercely contested, absolute ding dong battle with some yeah. red cards going off, like yeah. absolutely horrendous challenges flying <laughs> in, people doing stupid things, get sent off for stupid things. We've, we've done quite a bit of this season. That would actually. be great. Um, yeah. Either that, or we absolutely smash you 10 more. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just like one of the two, don't mind which, both yeah. would be great. Cue a nil nil draw. Yeah, yeah, a um, hard guarantee, yeah. Yeah. Right, that's 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 a, the the sort of update on Reading and, and Oxford. I'm gonna we're gonna have a very very quick break, and when we come back, we're gonna have a chat about some of the other stuff that's been going on in football. So outside of the Thames Valley, I was thinking about this. What's the biggest or weirdest or most interesting thing that's happened in recent times in football? And the thing that came to my mind was the uh, Saudi Arabia. Yeah. situation and i thought you might have some interesting things to say about about this all of a sudden saudi wasn't really a topic and then all of a sudden players started going and more players started going and then before you know it jordan henderson's gone uh i mean like i i don't i can't even begin to to to, to discuss how disappointed i am at jordan henderson like for a liverpool player uh you know i actually see there's quite a lot of that liverpool squad are actually kind of quite a uh, nice guys and like I, I can't stand liverpool so i always find that i always find that quite difficult to to get on with but but like you know jordan henderson was great because he was a great advocate for lgbtq plus stuff he was you know he was he was always and he kind of when he when he when he went over there and he made that kind of um slight you know the 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 non apology um it actually became clear because he said oh no I, st- I still advocate for those things I you know I always you know retweet the right things and stuff like that and she came to the point where I, 
actually think maybe he was just doing it as a tokenistic thing and like he was just yeah, doing it as just a, to, to, to be seen to be doing the right thing because oh I think I should do the right thing rather than actually really meaning it because if he really meant yeah. it he wouldn't have gone to Saudi Arabia I mean that's that's yeah. the long and short of it um it it's sports washing I mean it, it's just it's that at the basic the most basic possible level you know they've bought golf or they've tried to buy golf yeah. This is their way of trying to buy football, right? They're getting their tendrils into um into into big clubs. You know, you you just look at Newcastle, you know, the conversation's gone away. Um and about I mean, their opposition fans will remind Newcastle fans all the time about about the 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 appalling practices of the regime that has taken over um Newcastle United Football Club. Um but that can only go so far in terms of sports washing. And that's why they're now buying all of these big players in. They want yeah. all of these big expensive players in. So people start looking at it. But it works. So, you know, Sky, it people does, like Sky it, start putting games on telly. And it's just, yeah. it's, it's a real shame, though, that it only, that it, that people's uh, scruples only, and, and their morals only go so far. I mean, look at Rory McElroy. Yeah. Like, a big proponent for maintaining, you know, the, the non-Saudi portion of golf until he realised that he needed to to cosy up with them if he was ever going to have a chance. And now he's completely U-turned on it. It says, oh, we're all friends now. It, well, you know, and it's the same with these footballers going over there. They're completely ignoring the wider situation. And fair enough, right? And And... A bunch of money has, has has been thrown at these folks. Not that they were poorly paid in well, their quite. previous jobs either. And the thing for me is that I understand if you're really at the end of your career, you've got no other option. You know, you've run out of time in your club or you've run out of support, whatever. But a lot of these players were still playing first team at a very high level. Yeah, and um, I, I I think there's 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 a, there's a there's a couple of things going on there. What one which is re some. And I forgive me for this because it sounds really, really negative, but really stupid people um, being given really, really bad advice by people who have a massive financial vested interest in giving them bad advice. So agents, I think, are a massive part of this. I think there are a lot of footballers going out there saying, oh, no, don't know, no, because they're tapping up so-and-so. They reckon he's going there as well. They reckon this guy's going over there as well. And a lot of those players are going, oh, okay, well, I don't want to be the one to miss out on this. Um, and actually, maybe it is going to be a really big thing and a proper thing. So I won't be, you know, giving up my footballing credentials to do that. And I think a lot of footballers have potentially been duped into it. A lot of them actually don't have any scruples and they are just in it for the money. Um, and But then there's, you know, and, and a classic example of that is... And again, this is the bit where my brain stops working. Um, Brazilian player played for Paris Saint-Germain. Um, one of the Neymar, Neymar, Neymar Junior. Neymar, like, like, like I, 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 a guy of, with the world's largest ego would love the fact you forgot his name. Yeah, I mean, but that, that's that's how my brain works these days. <laughs> like, like, like one of the most famous footballers in the world. Can't quite remember his name, but he um. But he was never, ever interested in the football. He was never interested in football, footballing, what's the right word? Um, you know, like uh, doing, like being proper, being a proper footballer. The second he decided he was going to go and play at Paris Saint-Germain, which is at best a pretend football league um, with what, three 
decent teams. One of which actually is bottom of the table at the moment, Leon. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, with like these three decent sized squads and just going up there and just in and just kind of earning a bunch of money. Like he's not interested in football, never has been. So him going over there is not a surprise. Ronaldo, again, not a, not a surprise. The end of his career. He's, he's subtle. He really seems to have gone downhill as well since since going there. Yeah. But uh, no, I don't know. Well, maybe he knew, right? Maybe he knew that his legs had gone or something. Yeah. Get out. But yeah, but there was there was a clip of I think it was Neymar and he was in the game and he was in the in the Asian Champions League against some part timers from like I don't know Indonesia or something like that, and like they were just stood around and he was just it was genuinely like a it was like he turned up against a bunch of six year olds yeah. and was just dancing around them and scoring goal after goal after goal. It's like, how on earth is that get? How on earth is he getting any value out of that whatsoever? But then maybe he doesn't care. Like maybe I go up there. Because, you know, you and I and everybody else go off and we do hard jobs and we, you know, we, we earn the money that we do working our asses off for, you know, eight, nine hours a day or whatever. He goes and does it for 90 minutes, gets paid an absolute shit ton of money for it. Maybe just doesn't care. Yeah, like, I mean, that is possible, isn't it? I think there are certain players that do things for the for the love of the game, but those are getting fewer and far between, I suppose. But one thing that is a bit more wholesome, I was watching the uh, I was watching the Beckham documentary the other day, which is very interesting. I did want a bit more about the Miami thing because I thought that was kind of the point of the show. I thought it was going to be a vehicle for promoting the Miami thing, but it isn't really. They mention it very briefly at the end. But they talk about when he went over to the US... And he, he did it for slightly different reasons because he was basically trying to escape, I think, a lot yeah. of the shit that he was having to deal with in, in Europe. And so, But when he went over there, it was a, it was a mess. Like, the football was very, very low quality. And he orig- initially got very frustrated and he admitted that, you know, he was like, what am I, what am I doing here? These, these guys can't really play. But they gave a lot of time in the documentary to Landon Donovan. And it was really, really cool because Landon Donovan was basically saying that this is my this is my home club and it really matters. I know it's shit, but it really matters to me. Yeah. You know, like I genuinely care about whether we win or lose every week in these meaningless games because this is my club. And it was such a heartfelt thing and I was like that is and it must be difficult when the sport that he loves which is obviously the biggest in Europe and South America and they look at his league and laugh and joke. But for him, it's like, well, David Beckham's come here. This is amazing. Uh, but uh, so I, I can understand on that side of the table, like trying to look at something positive about these about these shifts away, is that Beckham then realised he was like, well, I should care because although it doesn't matter, like in the same way that it did before, it really matters to this guy. Yeah, you know. And I thought that was lovely, and I was like, that's a great way to look at the sort of late stage of your career if you can. And that's the same way when players go back and play for their own hometown club, you know. Yeah, in yeah. The, in, in the bottom division of the national league or whatever it is, I think that's great. There's um 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 what's his name Troy Deeney. So Troy Deeney has gone to Forest Green Rovers, and he yeah. did this. He did this big thing. I did this big. I think he posted it on social media or something. Um, where he'd been over to Saudi Arabia, where there were loads of loads of players touting themselves out to Saudi clubs. So loads of players who were looking for clubs at the top end of the English game, touting themselves to to Saudi sides. Mm. Um, and he's basically said because um, because none of them, uh, none of those footballers had the guts to drop down a division or two or three to get regular football at, 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 at 
place that matters. And so he took a, a, a job at um, Forest Green Rovers. And their strike force, by the way, like Troy, Troy Deeney and Matty Taylor, that's an incredible strike force yeah. for, for League Two. It's not helping them. They're doing absolutely appalling. <laughs> but like... Um, but yeah, like credit to him because he said like you know this is this is still proper football you know like it's it's proper professional football um, and um, I'm playing for a club that means a lot of pe- a lot of stuff to a lot of people. But what you said actually um, kind of rang true because I was I've always like watched teams like Celtic and like so how on earth is a Celtic supporter can you get any joy like out of it like at, you know at, at worst fifty percent of the time you'll be second in the division. Um, the other 50% of the time you'll be top and you'll, a lot of that time you'll be so far ahead of everything. It's, it's ridiculous. Like there is that enjoyment of football is a completely different thing. Um, but I follow somebody who's a Celtic fan on blue sky, which is like the new Twitter thing. Like, um, and like, it's absolutely everything to her. She won't fucking (laughs) shut up about Celtic. And like, (laughs) and, but it, but it's fascinating though. She's cause like, it's like, like, from my perspective, that football team that you support is ridiculous because the the, 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 the the league and the setup is daft. It doesn't work. It doesn't make any sense. But for her, it's everything. And yeah. like, so yeah, so what, well, yeah, who am I to judge how people absorb football, I guess? No, exactly. And I, I had the, I had the opportunity after, after the pandemic, but obviously uh, after the pandemic, but before this, <laughs> before this, yeah. in that weird interim period, um, to be in the US and go to a, uh, I guess it was the MLS two, I think it is right. the second division of the of the MLS, match in Louisville, Kentucky, and the thing that the thing that the Americans do well, it's just a cool experience. Like yeah. the the stadium is great, small but great. You know, like eighteen thousand or something like that, packed with people, packed with activity and sort of energy and and life and stuff outside the ground for the kids to do and just a general nice environment and no crazy cues everything's clean and all <laughs> nice like, and you can see that i would imagine as a family as well that soccer would be a great thing to do with your family because it's just a gen- generally nice experience and the game itself it's very it's just a different vibe because the game just sort of happens yeah but all the other stuff keeps happening so there's still like music going on, or there's concession stands, and there's food, and there's all this stuff. And I guess that's from baseball, where it's a long game, and an American football, where things just keep going during. But it makes for quite a nice, a different experience. Like, I really enjoyed going to that game. I thought it was great. I, I I would I would genuinely enjoy that kind of thing, right? So I'd love to go to that kind of thing and experience how other cultures do it. But for me, football is dragging your ass halfway across London on a Tuesday night to go to fucking Leighton Orient or something and stand in the pissing rain <laughs> with like a really shit burgie, your feet go completely numb and then watch your side get humped for one <laughs> I mean, that, that is football to me. But, but, but you know, I like, like I said... I, I enjoy all the meats of our footballing stew. And um, yeah, <laughs> yeah I, 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 I do like to try different things. And, you know, we're going to get a very different experience. We're going to get what is hopefully, fingers crossed, Touchwood, should it all go to plan, we'll get what is effectively a brand new, relatively state-of-the-art, kind of small to mid, mid-sized stadium with yeah. some more infrastructure around it to make the match day experience a much more positive one than it currently is. So it will be very, very different. So it will be something to get used to, hopefully in a good way. 
Yeah, just you just got to wait another ten years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly <laughs> that. <laughs> right. Well, there we go. We're we're back. We're back. Uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully you enjoyed that. I mean, um, I did. I don't know if anybody else did. That's the most important thing. Um, so you yeah, know, it's been it's been great. Hopefully, we can keep this going, and hopefully, we'll uh, be able to. Uh, discuss the various goings on throughout the season as Oxford rise to the to the top of the table, yeah. tickling tickling the underbelly of league uh, of the championship, you know, Champion and we'll be down to them. Yeah, <laughs> scratching the head of League Two, um, <laughs> but we'll see how things go. So uh, it's been an absolute uh, pleasure. Let me see if I can operate the uh, the outro for us here. Um, uh, where can we? Where can people find us? I think we're Thamesman on uh, on Instagram, and probably on Twitter as well. I don't go to Twitter anymore. Probably no. we'll put it in the description. It's, it's, uh, yeah, that shows my age, doesn't it? it doesn't exist anymore. Mm. But yeah, go to those places and find us. We're on Spotify and everywhere else you can get your pods. Have a lovely time, everybody. <laughs> you know that you know that we're back because I still can't find the outro. <laughs> See you later, Andy. Bye.